it seems I've come to the right place. This, uh, this is the Church of Sam, so uh, it's great to be here. Uh, let me add my welcome. It's uh, wonderful to be able to do this, um, to, 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 swap, to swap preachers for, for a day. Uh, and thank you for such a lovely welcome. Um, let me pray. Let me pray for us as we start. Lord God, I thank you for our network of churches. And I thank you that what's true for each and every one of us is that you are with us. We are your church, your people. You love us and you've blessed us with your word. And I pray that you would be teaching us today, that we would want to be um, led by you, that you would open our hearts um, to learn more about you and the wonderful city of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great, it was great at the start. There were loads of children here. It's great. Uh, hands up if you've got children. Uh, it's pretty much, pretty much everyone. Um, there's a philosophy that says, um, as parents, if your children are happy, then you are happy. And I'm sure lots of you will agree, as, as parents, or, or even as people who spend time with children, we love to see our children thrive and do well and be happy and healthy. But also, we hate to see our children suffering. We hate it when our children are upset, unwell. When they're a bit older, they get burdened by, by the stresses of, of school and this world. And as parents, we want to we take that pain away. And often we do so unsuccessfully. And I think, um, you might agree with me, that the worst times of having children, the worst times of um, suffering for children, are night times. Um, often being awake, I find myself awake with a child at midnight, 2am in the morning. It's hard, especially when they're unwell. You, you wouldn't bump into someone in the street and say, oh, what's your hobby? Oh yeah, my hobby is being awake with crying children in the night. You would, it's, that's not a thing. And uh, the reality is it's not just crying babies in the middle of the night that's difficult. Life is full of things that wear us down. Life is full of disappointments, like things that we do that then quickly lose their wonder. Life is full of broken relationships, our families, our friends. Life is full of darkness. And the reason for that, and this is a very morbid start, the reason for that is that we live in a broken world. A world that has been spoiled by sin. And that's true of London. Our city is broken. Uh, the 2021 census data um, that, that's just starting to be published showed that 40% of the 9 million people in London put their religious status as Christian. I imagine the reality is far less. That means that at least 60% of the people that walk our streets, the streets of this city, not including all the extra tourists and city works and things, 60%, 5.4 million people do not have the hope that we've read about today. And this hope is so great. That's what I want us to see today. This is a passage, the passage we read, it's a passage of restoration. It's a restoration that is our hope as God's people living in a city that has no hope. It's a restoration that needs sharing 
to our city so that people who are living with the London dream as their only hope can have their eyes open to something that's so much better. And I want us to see that this hope, this hope of a perfect city where God dwells with his people, that should fuel our evangelism. That should fuel our sharing of hope to those that God has placed in our lives and in the lives of this church in Wandsworth. So as, as the angel, this part of Revelation is, is, is an angel taking John through, through a vision of what heaven's going to be like. And as we look at this bit, let's, let's let our hearts be guided by God, by the Holy Spirit, to see this beauty, for it to become real to us, so that we can leave here with a renewed hope that we just can't shut up about. And if you're hearing this as a non-Christian, this, this is what we're going to look up today. This is the hope that you need. So uh, the angel shows John three things. Three things that God has restored through Jesus. And the first one is, is the restoration of true life. The restoration of true life. Look at verse 1, Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of that city. And on either side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, to help us start to see the beauty of this restoration, we actually need to go and see what was lost. Because the beauty of this vision starts at the beginning of the Bible. So, um, I'm going to start in Genesis 2. So, if you, turn, if you can turn to Genesis 2, if you've got a Bible... And in Genesis 2, we see that Adam and Eve were living true life. Let's read a little bit of what that was like. Um, Look with me at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of tree grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into forehead waters. It's paradise. God is dwelling with man and God has provided for them everything that is good. And they have access to every tree except one, including the tree of life. And that means that they can live forever. But we know that's not not how it carried on. Because in Genesis 3, we have the sad story of sin entering this world through Adam and Eve. Uh, To summarise, the devil, uh, in the form of a snake, he tempts Eve to eat of the one tree She was not allowed to. They were not allowed to. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she eats it and she gives it to Adam. And immediately they understand what sin is. Immediately the darkness of bad, of wrong, of sin and evil enters the world. And God punishes them. Because he's a just God, he punishes them. And the final act of these punishments is to drive them out from this paradise, this place where they were dwelling with him. Have a look. Um, flick, just 
be over the page or the next page. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out from the tree, uh, reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And from that moment, the moment that sin entered the world, the moment that God stopped them from accessing the tree of life, they were destined to die. And that's been the case ever since. From the moment we are born into this world, we are destined to die. It's a sad fact of our lives. We grieve those who die. In 2020, in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, 59,000 people died in London. So isn't it so wonderful what we read here that in this new heaven and earth, there is a river that is carrying the water of life. And this river is flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. That's Jesus. So God is the one who gives this true life. He is the source of this true eternal life in heaven. God is once again dwelling with his people, bringing life to the very centre of heaven. And that's not all, because either side of the river is the tree of life. And this time, what's gone? There's no flaming sword blocking the way. This tree is open. Anyone can access it. It's open to all who dwell in the city with continuous fruit to be eaten and enjoyed. And what that means is that what God took away from Adam and Eve, what God blocked from Adam and Eve, has been restored. Once again, he is allowing access to the tree of life. And the nations are destined to live. Once again, in this city, it is possible to have true life with God forever and ever. And the BBC published their list of of notable deaths, 2022, like they do at the end of every year. You You might be able to guess who was on there. The Queen, the former Pope, and Dame Olivia Newton-John, Angela Lansbury, Robbie Coltrane, many, many more. And I was wondering, how many of those people feared death, feared the lead up to their death? And I was wondering, how many of those people knew that after life on this earth, eternal life was possible through Jesus? You see, the devil, she, the devil... He convinced Eve that she would find true life through disobeying God. The reality for for Adam and Eve was was separation from God and the loss of eternal life. And we live in a city that will try and convince us as as to what true life is. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever whatever is trending at the moment, whatever makes you successful, live your life. But the reality of those things, if we put our trust in those things, is they will separate us from God. And they will cause us to lose our life. And if we die separated from God, then death will be eternal death. Separated from God in hell. 
So this passage shows us where true life is going to be in the city of God, living with God at the centre, drinking from the river of life and eating from the tree of life. And those of us who are a part of God's family, we have this hope inside of us. We know that, that this is our destiny. And we even get glimpses of that in this life, glimpses of the wonder of heaven. And how much should we want to share that with those who we know are destined for eternal death? So we have the restoration of true life. Secondly, we have the restoration of perfect relationship with God. Have a look at verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. You see, what happened in Genesis 3 was also the first broken relationship with God. Because as sin entered the world, fallen Adam and Eve could no longer dwell with a perfectly good God. And so we've seen that God drove them out of paradise. And part of this broken relationship outside of paradise meant that Adam and Eve had to live in a cursed world. After cursing the snake, um, God speaks in Genesis 3, verse 16. He says, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so as sin enters the world, so does the first evidence of this curse of sin, the hurt and pain of childbirth, and the difficulty of trying to survive off the land. And the curse of sin doesn't, doesn't stop there in Genesis 3. Throughout the whole Bible, we see this evidence of a cursed world. People trying to live their lives separated from God. The Tower of Babel, people worshipping the golden calf at the bottom of Mount Sinai while Moses was up talking to God. The constant evil of the kings of Israel and Judah. The evil of the Jews who rejected their Messiah Jesus and the Romans who crucified him and the persecution of the early church. Those are just a few things. And ever since human beings, we have been born into a world that is cursed by sin and we feel it. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we all know that the world is full of hurt and pain. London is full of hurt and pain. People's lives are plagued by drugs and alcohol, the curse of domestic violence, the devastation of homelessness on our streets, the stress of trying to make enough money to pay the bills in an expensive city the grief of those who have lost loved ones. So in the light of that, how wonderful to read the hope in verse four, sorry, in verse three. No longer, no longer will there be any more curse. 
and we read in chapter 21 that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things, the cursed order of things has passed away. And there will be the throne of God and of the Lamb and the people in that city will be worshipping him. We who are saved will be worshipping him. The whole of this incredible city of heaven will be like one huge temple with the sole aim of glorifying the one who sits on the throne. And in perfect harmony, as we gaze on the face of the lamb who made this perfect relationship possible, the lamb who was slain, we will know that we belong to him. His name will be written on our foreheads. The relationship with God that Adam and Eve lost will be restored. Nothing will stand in the way of us worshipping God like it does now. So often our sinful hearts, we we don't feel like worshipping God. We don't feel like praying. We don't feel like singing. We prioritise other stuff other than worshipping God. Not in heaven. Our hearts will be free from the curse of sin. Our one desire to worship God forever and ever. Isn't that a beautiful thing to look forward to? When our city is hurting so much. Isn't that a beautiful thing to fuel our worship for God even now? Isn't that a beautiful thing to tell others about? And then we've got the third thing that the angel shows John. Verse 5, the restoration of light. Verse 5 says, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. Darkness is something that lots of people are scared of. You might be scared of the dark. The night is a time when lots of people dread. Like we said at the beginning, especially if you have children that are unwell or hurting. Night is when crime tends to happen in London. People who walk the streets at night, women especially, will often be scared. At night, people feel their hurt and pain all the more. You know the feeling of a tough night, right? As you lie in bed, tossing and turning, stressing, or just waiting, waiting for the morning. Because with the morning comes a new day. With morning comes the light. And so this, in, in, the, in the light of the night being a difficult time, this restoration becomes even more incredible than it already is. As we read that... The darkness of night will be no more. And no more night means continuous day, continuous light. And this is not light as we know it. In fact, it says there's going to be no more need for torches and candles and LED lights and and these fancy chandeliers. Why not? How is this possible? Well, verse 5 tells us because God is there. The never-ending presence of the light of the world will be seated on the throne. The Bible tells us that God is light, and in him is no darkness. And so he is at the centre of heaven. There's no need for any other form of light. And God is not going anywhere in heaven. And neither will we be. Timothy describes the light of God as unapproachable. That's no longer the case now accessible to all who dwell in this city. 
uh, Revelation 21 again gives us a bit more detail on this. Uh, Revelation 21, 22, verse 22 says, um, I, that's John, did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. So we have restoration of a right relationship with God, dwelling in his presence with his light radiating for us to see the true life we have been saved to. And you might be sitting there hearing this and think, well, that's all very well and good. But how could I with all the stuff in my life that I've done wrong, with all the stuff that I've said and thought, how could I ever get somewhere as pure and wonderful as this? I'll tell you how. All this is not possible by any human act. In fact, there's only one criteria for entering this city, and it's in the verse just before our passage today. It's Revelation 21, 27, tells us the criteria. It says, nothing impure will ever enter it, ever enter the city, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. As we stand as sinful, impure human beings, we could never enter this city. As we stand as shameful and deceitful people who are born into a broken relationship with the one who created us, we have no right to be allowed into heaven. And the only way that God could ever restore the beauty of what was lost when sin entered the world would be if sin was dealt with once and for all. The debt of sin which separated Adam and Eve from God must be paid. And that was accomplished by Jesus. The, true, the reason that true life can be restored is because Jesus was willing to give up his true life in heaven he left his eternal home of heaven he came to this earth born as a baby he dwelt on this earth in this sin-filled earth and he grew up he was destined to be rejected and die and he died on a cross so that we might be restored to eternal life the reason that mankind's relationship with god can be restored in this city is because jesus was willing to endure a broken relationship with god himself he was the only human being to ever come to this earth and live a life in perfect relationship with God, only to experience that relationship being broken as he took the weight of the world's sin upon him and he had God turn his face away from him and he died on the cross and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason that we have the hope of dwelling in eternal light of God is because Jesus was willing to go through darkness for us. Jesus, who was the light of the world, entered the depths of darkness on the cross as he took our wrong thoughts, our adultery, our murder, our lies, our lust, our coveting, our sin upon himself so that we can one day bask in the eternal light of God and the Lamb who was slain. 
Because if you trust in Jesus, then your name is written in his book. He has paid for your sins and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life can enter the city of heaven. Jesus invites you through his own words in John's Gospel. He said, whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to that restored relationship except through me. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you trust in Jesus, your eternal life is that, your eternal future is that life, that relationship with God, that light for all eternity. And if that's something that you want to do, please tell someone. Tell, tell one of the leaders here. Tell, tell a Christian friend, even in your heart now, tell Jesus that you trust him, that you're sorry for the wrong things you've done, and that you want to live for him. And even as Christians, we can look at this vision of heaven and think, that's great, but it's a mile away from the reality of what we're living now. And you're right. This is not a vision of the city of London. But God has placed us in London. He has called us to live here. And at his moment, it is his will for us. It is his will for you guys to live in this area and to go to this church and to share this hope with Wandsworth. And what we want to be doing as, as commissioned churches is showing those in London, those in our lives, that London, whilst being a great city, is full of so much darkness. And then telling them that there is a way to a perfect city. A way made by Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Telling them that our city, uh, telling our city that there is a place that the true life that London offers again and again disappoints will one, be, one day re be replaced by actual true life. Eternal true life that is beyond the wonder of our imagination. Telling our city that there is a place where the broken relationships of London, both physical and spiritual, will be replaced by a perfect relationship of worship to the God who loved us unconditionally, even though we might not have acknowledged him, or even worse, rejected him at some point in our lives. Telling our city that there is a place where there will be no more darkness, both physically and spiritually, and even more wonderful, the darkness of the evil in this world will be no more. That's what we need to show London. We need to show London that they need Jesus to restore them to this inheritance. And this is our hope that should fuel that. Because we know that there's an indescribable beauty that one day will be reality, and we know that Jesus made a way for us to get there, we should talk about it. If you went on an all-inclusive five-star holiday to Gran Canaria for a month, you would not shut up about it. Your friends would be sick of hearing about it. Surely so much more we should be talking about heaven. 
And some of us, some of us, including myself, we've heard this challenge a thousand times. And we still don't do it. We still hold back. And the devil loves that. He loves it when our earthly pride or whatever it is stops us from having these conversations about the good news of Jesus. What we do is we hear sermons about it and, and we tick a box in our heads. Some of you might have already ticked it. The box that says, oh, yes, I mentioned Jesus this week. Or, oh, oh yes, I talked about church. That's my bit done. But we haven't really said anything other than a passing statement that gets brushed quickly over. And God can use those. But how much better to, to sit down with those in our lives who we care about so deeply and say, look, I can see you're hurting. I'm hurting too. This is where I find my hope. To say, look, Jesus has given me hope in heaven that I can hold on to. Let me share this with you because I love you and because I care about you. This is not easy. This is difficult, especially if we try and do things in our own strength. We need God's help to do this just as much as London needs God to hear God's message. And so we need to pray. We need to pray again and again that the Holy Spirit would give us opportunities and boldness to make the gospel known. But I hope that what we've seen here helps. That this restored city that we've looked at fuels our excitement, our passion, our wonder for sharing this good news. Our passion for telling others the good news that God can use to bring them to his throne to one day serve him forever and ever in the place where eternal life is found. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, please help us. I thank you for the truth, the truth that Jesus has restored us, that has given this, this beautiful hope, this beautiful city in heaven, that those of us who know you will one day dwell in perfection. And I pray, Lord, that we would be excited, that we would have a passion to share this with those around us who do not know you, with those around us who are hurting. Help us, Lord Jesus, this week. Help this to be, be something that we can look forward to this year, that we can look forward to making your name known, that this church in Wandsworth can look forward to making your name known to the people around it, that these people here can look forward and be passionate about sharing you with those in their lives. I pray, Lord, that you would be bearing fruit through your word, that people would come to know you. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen.